You're listening to the Bible Chunks Read-Through Podcast in association with the Limadine Bible Reading Plan and Charles River Church. To have your own copy of this reading plan sent straight to your inbox, you can sign up at charlesriver.lmd.church. For more information about Charles River Church, visit charlesriverchurch.com. We read the whole story to make whole disciples of Jesus. Hey, welcome to Bible Chunks, where we read through the Bible in the chunks, or sections based on themes that it was designed to be read in, so we can get a better handle on the story of God. My name's Kevin. That's enough about me. Let's dive into the Word. Today I'll be reading Hebrews 8.1 through 10.39. 80 verses today. Now the point in what we're saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, a minister in the holy places, in the true tent that the Lord set up, not man. For every high priest is appointed to offer gifts and sacrifices. Thus it's necessary for this priest also to have something to offer. Now if he were on earth, he would not be a priest at all, since there are priests who offer gifts according to the law. They serve a copy and shadow of the heavenly gifts. For when Moses was about to erect the tent, he was instructed by God, saying, See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain. But as it is, Christ has obtained a ministry that is as much more excellent than the old as the covenant he mediates is better, since it's enacted on better promises. For if that first covenant had been faultless, there would have been no occasion to look for a second. For he finds fault with them when he says, Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord when I will establish a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And so I showed no concern for them, declares the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach each one his neighbor, and each one say to his brother, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, for I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. In speaking of a new covenant, he makes the first one obsolete, and what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. Now, Even the first covenant had regulations for worship and an earthly place of holiness. For a tent was prepared, the first section in which were the lamp stands in the table and the bread of the presence. It's called the holy place. Behind the second curtain was the second section called the most holy place. Having the golden altar of incense and the ark of the covenant covered on all sides with gold, in which was a golden urn containing the manna and Aaron's staff that budded and the tablets of the covenant. Above it were the cherubim of glory, overshadowing overshadowing the mercy seat. Of these things we cannot now speak in detail. These preparations have been made. The priests go regularly into the first section, performing their ritual duties. But into the second section, only the high priest goes, and he but once a year, and not without taking blood which he offers for himself and for the unintentional sins of the people. By this, the Holy Spirit indicates that the way into the holy place is not yet opened, 
as long as the first section still standing, which is symbolic for the present age. According to this arrangement, gifts and sacrifices are offered that cannot perfect the conscience of the worshipper, but deal only with food and drink and various washings, regulations for the body imposed until the time of Reformation. But when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come, then through the greater and more perfect tent, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without blemish to God, to purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, he's the mediator of a new covenant, so those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. For where a will is involved, a death of the one who made it must be established, for it will take effect only at death, since it's not in force as long as the one who made it is alive. Therefore not even the first covenant was inaugurated without blood. For when every commandment of the law had been declared by Moses to all the people, he took the blood of calves and goats with water and scarlet wool and hyssop, and sprinkled both the book itself and all the people, saying, This is the blood of the covenant that God makes with you. And in the same way, he sprinkled with the blood both the tent and all the vessels used in worship. Indeed, under the law, almost everything is purified with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Thus, it was necessary for the copies of the heavenly things to be purified with these rites but the heavenly things themselves with better sacrifices than these. For Christ has entered, not into the holy places made with hands, which are copies of the true things, but into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God on our behalf. Nor was it to offer himself repeatedly as the high priest enters the holy place every year with blood not his own. For then he would have had to suffer repeatedly since the foundation of the world. But as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. And just as it is appointed for a man to die once and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, they, uh, otherwise would they not have ceased to be offered since the worshippers, having once been cleansed, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, they are a reminder of sins every year. For it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifices and offerings you've not desired, but a body have you prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it's written of me in the scroll of the book. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings, these are offered according to the law. 
Then he added, Behold, I've come to do your will. He does away with the first order to establish the second. And by that will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting from that time until his enemy should be made a footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he's perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And in the Holy Spirit also bears witness to us, for after saying, This is the covenant that I'll declare with them after those days, declares the Lord. I'll put my laws on their hearts and write them on their minds. Then he adds, I'll remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there's no longer any offering for sin. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he has opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we go on sinning deliberately, after receiving the knowledge of truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sins, but a fearful expectation of judgment and a fury of fire that will consume the adversaries. Anyone who has set aside the law of Moses dies without mercy on the evidence of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think will be deserved by the one who has trampled underfoot the Son of God and has profaned the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified and has outraged the Spirit of grace? For we know him who said, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. But recall the former days, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering, sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes being partners with those who so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore do not throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you have need of endurance, so that when you've done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteousness shall, my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we're not of those who shrink back and are destroyed, but of those who have faith and preserve their soul. The main thrust here is really towards the end, where the author or encourages the, the reader or the, the listener to continue on in the faith and not shrink back regardless of challenge or opposition or persecution, that they should remember their former zeal from when they first believed and continue in it, believing that while we can't see the promises in their fullness right now that Christ has unlocked for us, they are guaranteed to us. And so he begins this part by continuing on as Jesus, as that better high priest. But he expands on that to the fact that the covenant 
that Christ has inaugurated in the new covenant, the covenant in his flesh and blood that he talked about on the night when he was betrayed, is a better covenant than the covenant of Moses. And he begins with something that's a little bit, not hard to understand, but something that is uh, maybe a bit confusing to understand. And that is the fact that the temple and the tabernacle were modeled after the heavenly temple. So there is a spiritual temple. I don't think it's a physical thing, but I, there's a spiritual temple in heaven where maybe maybe it's a physical thing. I don't know. But when Moses was given the design for the temple or the tabernacle, what he saw was a tabernacle or a temple in heaven and God had him copy that onto earth and so there's the temple on earth and the temple in heaven and so when you're in the temple in earth on earth it's as though it's a nexus point where you can draw near to God who is in the temple in heaven and and it's copied after that now Christ he is the issuer of a better covenant because the the temple on earth is where the high priest has to go the temple in heaven is where Christ has gone so when he when he died and resurrected and then ascended back to the father he is currently in that temple in heaven and he's able to intercede with us not in the copy on earth but in the the actual thing in heaven and so that plus the fact that the covenant that he gives is a better covenant which is hinted at in the Old Testament where God explicitly says that I'm going to give you a new kind of covenant a covenant that's written on your hearts where you don't have to teach your neighbor but that all of them will know me from the, the least to the greatest they'll all be they'll all they'll all know me and I'll be merciful towards their sins and that's the the, the covenant that Christ has made with us and the way that he did it is through a better sacrifice than the sacrifice that was given in the old covenant not the blood of bulls and goats but of Christ's own blood one sacrifice that he had to offer once for all just as when he was the priest he he had to make that same sacrifice but he's not only he's not only the priest he's the priest he's the temple and he's the sacrifice <laughs> he's done all of it and he's done it all He's done it all for us. And in doing that, he has freed us. And so the, the author of Hebrews here is reminding his listeners and, and his hearers that the covenant that you have is so much greater than the covenant that Moses had inaugurated. So, so don't walk away from it. Remember it. Enjoy it. But stay steadfast and firm. He ends with the little uh, phrase here. Yet a little while and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith. And if he shrinks back, my soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not of those who shrink back and are destroyed. But of those who have faith and preserve their souls. So the whole point in him explaining the temple and the high priest and the covenant is not just so that the listener can get a big head and understand a little bit more and say, wow, isn't that cool? It's so that the listener can continue on sound in the faith 
and, and remain steadfast and not shrink back and get destroyed by the enemy. And so as we wrap this section up today, I'd ask you to consider what does this section of scripture tell us about who God is and what he wants? What does it tell you about yourself? And then finally, what was it that the Holy Spirit was stirring up while we were reading? Take those thoughts, turn them into prayers, and we'll be right here again tomorrow. Until then, God bless you.